Hi guys and welcome to episode 27 of Face the Facts. As you know, this podcast focuses on the dermal industry with the latest new treatments, products and industry information as it relates to the field. And each week we focus on a different topic. This week we're talking all things laser safety. Many of you have probably heard of or perform in your clinics the laser genesis treatment, but how well do you know about the risks involved with such a treatment or the safety procedures that you should have in place to prevent injuries in your clinic? Well, have no fear because today we have a group of amazing second year dermal science students from our friends at Victoria University to educate us all on the hazards, injuries, control methods, and how to create a laser-safe environment when performing the laser genesis treatment. So let's give a warm welcome to Josh, Sophie, Tash, and Jen. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. So to begin, let's just briefly go through the laser genesis treatment. So laser genesis is a non-invasive skin rejuvenation treatment utilizing a long pulsed 1064 nanometer ND-YAG laser. And in this case, the focus is on the Qterra Zero machine. This works to target dermal collagen remodeling without inducing any trauma to the epidermis. According to Qterra's website, it is a no-downtime, year-round aesthetic treatment designed to help polish and perfect superficial skin revitalization concerns. For those of you who haven't seen one of these machines before, it is a freestanding device that's quite tall and it connects an umbilical cord, which sort of looks like a hose, that contains optic fibers to deliver laser energy to the handpiece and onto the target tissue. So now that we know a little bit about the machine, Josh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the hazards that are involved with the Qterra Zero 1064 nanometer ND-YAG device? Well, Claire, firstly, I'll take you through the hazards associated directly with using this specific laser machine. As this device, like most machinery, is connected to power, it introduces electrical risks which could result in a fire. These start from your basic risks like exposed or frayed wires, power points not correctly fitted within the clinic, or water coming into contact with part of the machinery. All of these could cause a direct impact by electrocuting someone or an indirect impact by causing an electrical fire. Wow. This device should never be used regardless of the procedure in the presence of flammable materials or gases. This includes nail polish remover or alcohol cleansing swabs that if not evaporated, could ignite or in extreme circumstances, explode the laser. As this Katera Zero has high voltages, they can be extremely dangerous when trying to fix or service the laser. Therefore, unless you're an, an authorised Katera service representative, representative, you should never manually remove the exterior housing. And all other maintenance should be limited to only what is outlined in the manual and only performed when not connected to a power source. Right, got it. Wow, so there really are a lot of hazards involved with laser hay. So what sort of injuries could we sustain if we were to come in contact with the laser unintentionally, Josh? Great question. The two main injuries resulting from unintentional 
lead coming into contact with the laser beam are ocular and skin injuries. Right. All lasers are classed into a category ranging from class one to four based on the potential of hazards in relation to the eye and skin. Okay, so what class does the Qterra Zero fall into? This specific laser is a class four laser, which is the highest risk class. In terms of ocular hazards, these are generally related to the wavelength produced. There is a lot of melanin, a chromophore absorbing light in the retinal pigment epithelium, which absorbs the light and causes damage. The Qterra Zero NDEAG emits a 1064 nanometer invisible infrared light beam. And as we know, the retinal hazard range is between 400 to 1400 nanometers, which means that this particular laser is able to transmit through the aqueous components of the eye and focus this dangerous wavelengths through the lens and onto the retina, where photocoagulation occurs. The 1064 nanometer wavelength can cause retinopathy, retinal hemorrhage, and scarring to name a few issues. Therefore, it is vitally important that staring directly into the laser piece at any time is avoided due to being extremely hazardous, even if protective eyewear is worn. Wow, it really is a powerful laser. It sure is. I should take this opportunity also to point out the danger can be just as bad looking at the beam through the reflection of a mirror or off reflective materials and should be avoided at all costs. Sophie has actually done a fair bit of research into some injuries that have occurred with this device. Oh, how interesting. Sophie, would you mind taking us through that? Absolutely, Claire. So given that our NG-YAG is a class 4 laser, as Josh has just mentioned, it can actually cause irreversible damage to the eyes. As well as causing eye injuries, it can also cause some pretty serious skin injuries as, as well when misused. Some of these are burns, blisters, hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation, and in some cases, scarring. But today I've chosen to highlight a story of a 66-year-old engineer who was undertaking a routine repair on the NDYAG laser machine that unfortunately would change his life forever. Oh no, what happened? Well, during the repair, the xenon flash lamp of the laser accidentally fired while he was realigning the optical coupler mirror, exposing him to a very intense beam of light directly into his right eye, causing an immediate loss in vision. Scary, right? Goodness me, that's terrible. Did he ever get his sight back? Unfortunately, he did not clear. He was left with a macular scar preventing him from seeing. And even after being prescribed multiple doses of corticosteroids, there was no improvement in the vision of his right eye. And these all could have been prevented with a simple use of goggles with the correct protection, as well as other safety checks, such as, as making sure the machine wasn't connected to any power. Highlighting the importance of maintenance being performed only by authorised Qterra service representative, as Josh mentioned. Lordy me. Well, if that is not an eye-opener on why eyewear is so important, I don't know what is. And pardon the pun there. Now, speaking of eyewear, what sort of PPE should we be wearing while performing these treatments? Well, Claire, there are actually very specific types of eyewear that operators should be wearing during a laser genesis treatment. You can't just wear any old pair of sunglasses. So how do we know which ones are appropriate? There is actually a separate standard that sets the requirements for effective eyewear for a class 4 laser. And it states that the eyewear must have permanent engravings or labels stating the wavelength or wavelength range in nanometer. 
the optical density or scale number that it protects from, as well as a range of other things. As well as the information in the standard, the manual supplied by the manufacturer of the Katera Zio tells us that the minimum OD or optical density is 6.1. So any classes that have filters marked above this number for the wavelength of 1064 nanometer will be appropriate to use. Great, so we just have to check the numbers that are written on the actual glasses or goggles. Exactly. Some Clark cliques find it easy to colour code their goggles, so they can easily see which ones are for use with what machines. And they have them located just outside the treatment room in a cupboard or at the treatment room door. It's also important that the eyewear protect you from stray laser beams coming from side angles, so they should always have side guards just in case there is a beam misfire or reflection. So is it just the operator who needs to protect their eyes or everyone near the laser? Definitely not just the operator. Patients also need to wear eye shields that don't allow the penetration of any light into the eyes, but also anyone with a nominal ocular hazard area or basically anywhere in the laser treatment room needs to be wearing the appropriate eye protection as we've just discussed. So now we know how to protect our eyes and skin from those horrible injuries that you mentioned, Soph. But now I'd like to know what other measures keep us safe when performing laser genesis. Tash, I know that you are performing this treatment in the clinic daily, so you'd have a lot of experience in regards to the machine and other safety measures that are in place. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yes, that's right, Claire. The laser genesis machine is packed full of safety features as a cautionary aim to prevent any serious injuries or damages from occurring for both the client and clinician. Go on. So let me begin with some of the main safety features of the machine itself. The machine can only be switched on with a key, meaning without it, the system will not turn on, allowing yourself as a clinician or business owner to have full control over who can use it and who can't. The system will also remain in standby mode, meaning the foot switch, internal safety shutter and laser beams are unavailable. Once the clinician selects which handpiece they want to use, it will then take you to a screen to switch off standby mode and activate the laser beam. Open the safety shutter and the laser beam is good to go. You mentioned a foot switch. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, so the foot switch activates the laser beam. The laser genesis treatment does not commence until the, until the clinician has their foot down on the foot switch. If you accidentally t take your foot off, then the laser beam closes. Think of this like driving a car. The car won't go unless your foot is on the pedal. In my opinion, I believe this is an extremely smart tool. Another feature is the way in which the electrical circuits have been created. Within the power cord, there is a grounding conductor to earth the power in the event of an electrical malfunction. This will prevent the excess, potentially higher density power going to the client during the procedure. Wow, that's interesting. I know, right? Another smart setup is the remote interlock system. This is wired to the external door switch of the, of the treatment room. If someone opens the door while the treatment is in progress, the interlock system will switch itself off which is another extremely safe feature of the Q-Terrazio, preventing unauthorised persons in the room from any potential injuries or harm. And what about if there's an emergency? Yes, we can't forget the big obvious red button, which is an emergency button. This can be pressed at any time to prevent any serious injuries from occurring. This will shut down the entire system.
Being such a high-tech, expensive machine, what types of maintenance does it require? There are some basic things we can do in order to look after the Q-Terrazea device. It's important to clean all external surfaces with hospital-grade disinfectant and a damp cloth. Wipe down touchscreens with an alcohol-based cleanser, then dry with a clean cloth after use. This not only shows that your clinic takes pride in their devices, but it also removes bacteria buildup and ensures the hygiene standard is very high, as well as reducing interference with the laser beam from buildup of debris on the device tip. And are there any things that we need to do annually? Yes, absolutely. Just like a car, you'll take it for servicing. Well, it's also important your Q-Terra Zero, it has a routine check by a Q-Terra representative who looks over preventive maintenance, safety, power and collaboration to ensure the laser beam is working at its optimal level. Also, all repairs should be conducted by a Q-Terra certified engineer. Awesome. Thanks, Tash. So let's talk now about some of the administrative controls within the clinic. I've heard the acronym LSO thrown around a few times, but what exactly does that stand for and what does it mean, Jen? Yes, Claire. So LSO stands for Laser Safety Officer. Their primary role is to ensure that everything is running and operating in a safe manner so clients don't walk out looking like they fell asleep in the sun. (laughs) First things first, making sure anyone who comes into contact with the equipment are professionally trained and have a clear understanding on the devices and treatment they're partaking in. Pretty standard stuff, right? Next up, we have the equipment. As the laser safety officer, your job will require making sure all laser equipment is appropriately labeled and performing optimally. So this means ensuring all laser machines have correct labeling attached and making sure there are hazard signs present in and outside the treatment area. Is there anyone else involved in maintaining a safe laser environment? Yes, so another person working closely with the safety officer is the laser site supervisor, which we commonly refer to as the LSS, and they are responsible for a particular laser area or machine. Together, you would perform hazard evaluations, so identifying any potential threats or hazards in the workplace to either employees, clients, suppliers, or whoever it may be, and following it up with completing a risk assessment. Okay, and what about things like filling out the paperwork? Well, the LSO completes a lot of the administrative work, which I admit can be a bore at times but is critical in ensuring the workplace operates safely. So this includes filing maintenance records with the LSS, frequent safety audits, guaranteeing that all documentation such as safety operating procedures or SOPs as we call them, employee training and laser manuals are all up to date. In unforeseen circumstances where a burn may occur, for example, the LSO is responsible for being in charge and filling and maintaining all incident reports. A lot of other competent competent people, admin staff, therapists, and clinicians, they make up for the formation of a laser safety committee, depending on the size of the clinic. So now we know all about the scary things that can happen with lasers and the general ways in which we can control them. But what about when we're in the clinic? Is there a particular way that the room should be set up or guidelines that we can follow to ensure that we have a safe environment to perform the laser genesis treatments in? 
That's right, Claire. Whilst performing the laser genesis treatments, they must be carried out in a laser-safe and controlled environment. And what exactly does that mean? This means ensuring that the client and clinician are the only ones in the operating area. All other personnel are to be notified that the treatment is taking place. So, having visual cues such as a closed door and warning signs are necessary. The warning signs should be smack bang in your face before you walk into the room. And what do those warning signs look like, Jen? So, it typically has a yellow background and big, bold black writing that reads, Danger with the laser hazard symbol and the wavelengths being 1064 nanometers in the case of a laser genesis treatment with the Qterra Zero machine. The sign should also say class 4 laser and appropriate eye protection must be worn, avoid eye or skin exposure to scattered or direct radiation and invisible laser radiation. Some clinics have external dual interlocks and as Tash has previously mentioned, what those do is If someone unexpectedly opens the treatment door, the system automatically disables. Okay, so what other measures do we need to ensure that the area is safe? Some additional safety measures are pretty obvious, but making sure materials such as towels, cloths and sponges are away from the treatment site and moistened if necessary to have nearby. All devices must be properly sanitized prior and post-treatments. You came for a skin treatment. It shouldn't come with an infection. (laughs) Any sort of window or doorway needs to be covered with laser-safe material. Generally, this means opaque, just to ensure that laser beams don't travel through and interact with other individuals or reflect off them into other treatment rooms. So best to avoid any hanging picture frames and windows in the treatment room then? Absolutely. Now, you'd hope you would never have to use any of these things, but of course, they're a must. Fire extinguishers and blankets need to be located directly outside the operating area. On that note, all flammable materials, so this being any type of alcohol or sprays, are best left outside the treatment area or put away in cupboards. Lastly, all specular items and polished instruments are best to be avoided so they don't interact with and reflect the laser beam. That can cause some serious damage and is overall a massive hazard. Got it. So is there anything else we should be mindful of in terms of the treatment room? Before anything else, we need to ensure that we have an open and hazard-free operating room. This means no tripping hazards such as loose wires lying around or anything that could potentially create an accident. The room should also be large enough so that both the client and clinician are able to move freely amongst each other, therefore minimising any further risks of injury. Lighting is key. Tell me more. Adequate lighting is so important, especially when performing any kind of laser treatment. Clinicians need to clearly see what they're doing and the area they're operating on to ensure safe and effective treatment. Appropriate PPE should also be provided this being aprons, gloves, and laser-safe eyewear for both the clinician and client. Great. So minimal people, minimal clutter, nothing that can reflect the laser beam or conduct a laser energy, and really just the essentials that are needed during the treatment to be in the room? Pretty much, yes. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen.
Alrighty, well, that is about all we have time for for today. So let's just recap the main points that were covered in this week's podcast. So number one, the 1064 nanometer ND YAG is a class four laser and has the ability to cause serious eye and skin damage. So proper PPE must be worn, including goggles with filters for that specific wavelength. Number two, it is super important to check and clean the device as per the manufacturer's instructions to avoid potential hazards. Number three, proper training, manuals, policies, and procedures brought together by the Laser Safety Committee or the LSO are imperative in ensuring the safety of the client and the clinician. And lastly, number four, the importance of having a laser safe area, ensuring that the room in which treatments are being performed is heavily monitored and secured with appropriate signage and ergonomically designed, and of course, the avoidance of any hazardous products or materials. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. And I hope this episode of Face the Facts has given all you dermal clinicians out there some insight into the laser genesis treatment and how your clinic should implement safety controls and procedures in order to limit hazards and injuries in your workplace. Tune in next week as we discuss the tissue effects caused by lasers and how they can work in treating pigmentation. And we'll have a special guest joining us too. So feel free to submit any questions that you may have via the link in the caption. Thanks for listening to Face the Facts Weekly Podcast. And I hope you're looking forward to next week just as much as I am. See you then.